This episode of Coach Talk is brought to you by P2C Athlete Prep. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Coach Talk. I am joined here by East Los Angeles College head men's basketball coach, John Mosley. Coach Mosley, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, you know, I've been, we still a little bit of pandemic mode, so I've been able to still meet with those who, kind of recognize a little bit of what we did. So excited to be on, man, and got this great platform here. So, you know, I'm all up for it. Definitely. Now, most people will know Coach Mosley from Last Chance U this past, was it March that it came out? March. But we've got Coach Mosley on today to drop some nuggets to you guys about recruiting. <clears throat> um, with this extensive background, 15 years coaching at a four-year institution, Division One and NAI levels, and now nine years here at um, the JUCO level, definitely has a lot to impart in parents and student athletes. So let's get right into it. Coach, you've been at East LA for nine years. In that time, you've sent 51 guys to four-year schools, nine this past year. Like, what's been your secret? Like, what are some of the things that you've taken from your jobs as recruiting coordinators and, like, to help your student athletes to come to your program? Well, I think what's important is what is, what is the reason why they're, they ended up with me? Was it a athletically? Was it academically? Was it a, a, some type of issue? And so we try to address that. You know, in a case where we had a you know a couple student athletes, if, if there's some life issues that they have, really developing a relationship, trying to learn how can we handle help them with those uh, uh, life situations that they're struggling with, whether it's a legal issue or whether it's you know something in in regards to why this high level athlete is here with me. Uh, he's okay ac academically. He's okay athletically. Well, he's got the issue, so let's address the the that issue. If it's academically, really, uh, I don't take that part for granted. It's grade checks. It's 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 study hall. It's coaches standing over you, making sure, you know, there's some that'll come in and they'll go to study hall and they'll hop on the computer. And the first thing they cut on is YouTube. 
it's like, no, we're intentional when we come into study halls. You know, we're not playing video games. We're not on YouTube. <coughs> we're not on social media. So really holding students accountable in that regards. Um, and then athletically, being honest, being very honest with the student athlete right when they walk through the door. This is what we see you. This is how we see you. This is the level we see that we can move you to. You, we can move you to a division three, division two, or a division one program. Being straight up and being honest and not beating around a bush, not trying to recruit a player in and say, hey, you're a division three player, and really their level is probably division three or division two or NAI or something like that. So the honesty, evaluating, assessing where they're out athletically, and then helping them through that process as well. So I think being authentic in all three areas, being authentic and being involved and living out the burden in all three areas is, is, is a part of the success, you know, and then the student athlete has to take the responsibility, which they've done here. They've taken the responsibility and they've done a good job, with, but living out the burden academically, uh, personally what's going on and living out the burden with them uh, athletically. And what I mean by living out the burden there is being honest with them with where they're at and, and saying, hey, this is where you're at. If you want to reach here, this is what you need to do so we can get you to that next level. But I, I think being you got to be active. Uh, and, and that's what we try to do here is being having super hands on with all that. Because what has been the biggest difference that you've seen between that student athlete that ends up at a division three versus that one that may end up at a division one? Like what's what's the in your opinion, what's like that big separator between those two athletes? It's ability, you know, uh, I would say ability. And then in some cases, uh, if, if, if you're talking about in terms of performance, it would be ability. I mean, some just have the ability. We just have to be honest that the ability to be, football, to be able to play college basketball, that is a privilege. You, you are rare in society. I don't care what level it is. You are a rare being. But I think the ability, if we could just be honest about where we're at and, and understand that this is my level. But I think the difference has been ability. It's been ability, whether it's in our height, whether it's in our athletic ability, whether it's in our skill set. Um, I think that's been the difference. Now, there are cases where a Division One player ends up at a Division Three maybe because of, of choice of academic preference or school, or maybe they didn't meet a requirement to go to a division one level. Um, and there's cases where there's a division three player that ends up at a division one. He decides, you know what? I don't care what you say, coach. I want to be at a division one. I'm going to go walk on. I'm a fight. And, and maybe he's good enough to walk on, but he's still that there's some division three level players that are walking on. And now that can cause some hardship, I don't necessarily recommend that all the time because they, they that's just your ability. And just because they have you walk on, it still doesn't mean that, that you're that level of player. They allowed you to walk on maybe for other reasons, you know, maybe for to, to balance out their academic GPA. There's all those, there's a lot of things that go into why maybe, you know, maybe they allowed you to be on the program, but I would just say ability, man, from the simple, if you just cancel out all the things like, Hey, a student maybe just wanted, they want to be a specific major. They're so consumed with academics is more important to them. They're going to go to a division three because 
they have an academic program that they want. But if you minus all that, then it's it's to me, in my opinion, it's ability why it ends up, or maybe they didn't qualify for Division One. Gotcha. And, and you know, it's it's. I'm glad you said ability. One of the things that I always run into is is that you have these student athletes who can shoot the ball, right? Shoot the ball really well, but that's all they can do. And they think mm -hmm. that they should be a Division I athlete. And my response to them is always this. I can find a shooter on every street corner in America. What else can you do? Mm -hmm. What else are you bringing to the game? And they say, mm -hmm. well, I can shoot. Well, you're not a Division I player if that's all you can do is shoot. And getting right. parents to understand that. So how do you, as a coach, like when you have those instances where a, a student athlete that may come to you, but they've only got one th aspect of the game that they're really great at. That works great in the pros. Yeah. That doesn't work great at a college or a level and below. So how do you, how do you handle that? I've been fortunate enough to have a competitive environment. We've been uh, had good groups of uh, amount of guys where we can just go apples for apples and say, if you're a division one player, this young man is being recruited at a division one level. You guys play the same position. You guys are getting the same opportunity. He's the best player is the best. So guys will say, well, coach has a favorite. Yeah, I do. My favorite is the one who can play D, who can shoot, who can do all of these different things, who has more, better size than you, more athletic than you, quicker than you, shoots it better than you. And if you can't do that and he's being recruited at this level, we've been fortunate enough that we've had enough guys that we can kind of match. And then we can, when, when, when we have an individual a young man that decides he he's ready to have this conversation about why or what level he's at, then we try to make it more real. Like this is a division one player. You just say you're a division one player doesn't make you a division one player. The facts are, this is a division one player. Here's what a division one player performance looks like. Here's what it looks like. Not only 
on TV or on YouTube, but here's what it looks like in our gym. And if you can't match that, then you're not a division one player. And so I think we've been fortunate enough that I've, I've been able to have a standard with a few guys in our gym to say, if you can't match that, then you're probably not a division one player. And we're in this space. And I think the social media is great at some things, but it's, not so great in the sense that it's given us a false sense of who we are because we can post something and get a thousand likes and we say that's who we are because we got a thousand likes and that's not reality because you got one dunk and everybody says he's great and that's not reality so that's a false sense of of, of who we are um but I, I i think being able to put apples to apples and say, okay, let's take a look and see where you're at. And I like to say the best, one of the first things when they walk through the door is best players play the best. So you can't say I'm better than him coach, but he's out playing you in practice and everything. You can't say that. And why would a coach, if it, you know, why would a coach who wants to win, who doesn't want to lose his job, not play you if you're the best player? The best players play the best. We have a list of items in our locker room, and that's one the items that's on the top. Uh, in terms of our the Husky standard is the best players play the best. So if you're the best player, you know, then you'll play the best. It doesn't matter if you get five minutes to play or 20. You're gonna play the best. If you don't say, like Coach Rob said in our show, you can't, you don't want to say, well, if you played me more, then I'll play better. Well, if you're the best player, you'll play the best. And so we are fortunate enough, we have the opportunity to go apples for apples. And then we're able to compare that. And you know what? I don't embarrass young men and I don't try to demean any young men, but we try to have a sit down conversation and say, here's what it is. And now you need to probably find a different role. And if we have 30 to 50 coaches come to our gym, which, we, which we've had in the last couple of years because of the success we had, and you're on the same court as the guy that's getting recruited, then chances are to them you're not a Division I player either. So you got to take a look at that. Now, I don't have a problem with you having those goals, but if the Division I player coaches are invited and they're sitting and they're watching us compete in practice, if you're showing up to all of these events and the division one coaches are sitting there and they see you, if you've got your film on YouTube and all that, and you haven't got a call from a division one coach, then in your mind, you can say I'm a division one player, but there's no division one coach that saw you sees you as a division one player. So that's where you got to have to, you got to lock into a little bit of reality and it takes the pressure off. Of you. I have 50 coaches in our gym. If you yeah. think you're a Pac-12 player, yeah. I have five. Every year we have four to five Pac-12 players that come through our gym. That's a lot for a junior college to have yep. four, five Pac-12 yeah. coaches come through the gym. Now, if you tell me when you walk through the door, I want to be a Pac-12 player, and they saw you, and none of them are asking me about you or calling you, then chances are there's probably not yeah. going to be a Pac-12 coach team that wants to take you. I'm glad you said that, Coach. 
One of the things that I'm constantly telling student athletes and parents is this. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what your high school coach thinks. It doesn't matter what your club coach thinks. What matters is what those coaches that have scholarships think. And if a Division I coach isn't recruiting you, you're probably not a Division I athlete. If a Division II coach isn't recruiting you, you're probably not a Division II athlete. You got a majority of junior college or NAIA or D3 coaches or whatever it is calling you, that's probably where you can play at. And I think what has happened is kind of what you said, the social media thing, the instant gratification, the likes, people thinking that they've, they've boosted themselves up higher than what they actually are. And as parents, we've failed them in that we're not the sense of reality and telling them, look, baby, hey, son, daughter, it's not going to happen. This is where you're being recruited. This is the opportunity that's available for you. Yeah, we want our kids to achieve the highest levels possible. But at some point, you know, there's a, a voice of reason that has to step into the process to say, hey, we've got these offers on the table. What are we going to do about it? We can, you can, I mean, I know you're waiting for such and such, whatever, Division One, but you've got this in hand. What are we going to do about it? And I've seen too many student athletes leave what I like to say money on the table. Mm-hmm. And, and so as a coach, and you've been at those levels, like, can we, can we talk a little bit about that? process like you know you always talk about the the 21 day recruiting window every 21 days i'm contacting my top recruits and so as a student athlete getting recruited if i'm not getting that phone call every 21 days i'm probably not a top priority mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do so so as a student athlete like, how do we get that message across to them? It's like, look, yeah, they, there's some interest there, but you're like they're playing B, C, or D. So where are you ranked now? Uh, I'm the 21st player in ESPN, and I'm the third shooting guard in the country. I'm going to stick these last two, uh, two years out and uh, hopefully continue to make history. I was like, hold up, this is something different. I don't know what happened, but he ain't trying to do everything on the floor now. That is the most important thing. It's just, so with the trusting teammates also is like, uh, a great player cannot win games by himself. This year is like certain situations that I shouldn't have fouled because the fourth quarter, we definitely need me on the court to try to make a yep. push to win that. The, the first quarter of that Sweet 16 game, we looked like probably the best, one of the top five teams in the state in five That It was crazy. I'd tell them three things. Go where you can, go where you can maybe win, go where you're wanted, and go where you can play. Where you can win, where you're wanted, and where you can play. I went to an NAI school. I grew up in the inner city of LA, so everything is like 
Hollywood to me, right? I want to go to the school with the big name across the chest and, you know, that's on television playing. But, of course, if you get an opportunity to play in March Madness and do all that and play at that level, man, that's great if that opportunity presents itself. But if those opportunities aren't there, there, and there's a lot that goes into it. I tell my players that are getting phone calls, I said, look, I'm not, I tell them, even if they're a high-level player, I am not going to, to play this game of which school you like and don't like. Everyone that calls you, you pick up the phone. It can be a Division Nine. I could care less who it is. You respect and you listen and you make them want you. Okay? Because now you build yourself some leverage. Is this if it's a division three? Okay, fine. Let me make all the division threes in the country want me because these two division threes want me. If it's the NAI, I want all the NAIs. Because you know now what it does is it gives you a level of comfort that at least have something and now you don't have the burden of maybe waiting for the division two or the division one. you know you have something and also that builds leverage that if the division two division one really wants to recruit you hey i'm gonna have to take the money division two if you guys aren't serious you know yeah. but if if, if they're yeah. not in constant contact with you i had a young man and this was really, you know, and, I, and I'll say it because I won't say his name, but still out there. And it's been two years removed. Actually, three now because of the pandemic. Right. And he's still out there. In my opinion, Division two player. Pretty good. We went to he went to a showcase in the summer in between his freshman and sophomore year. And there was a Big Ten school. Big Ten. In my opinion, he's maybe a low major uh, or a Division II player. A Big Ten school calls, uh, uh, calls me and calls him. And I give the Big Ten school my opinion. The Big Ten school calls him. And they needed – this was the summertime of a showcase – they just lost the player from eligibility. We just need a body. We just need a body, coach. He played well in the showcase. And I said, this is what he can do for you, what I think. And I was honest with what I thought. And But yet and still, they were still interested because they just said, we just need a player. Yeah. And school starts yeah. in two weeks. So it's better to just take a body, even if we don't know, we'll just take it. Well, it turns out they didn't take him. That was a great call. I was excited that he got a chance to see that level of a call. But the calls that were calling him mostly were Division II schools. He got one Big Ten call. After the Big Ten school decided to do something else, of course, he came back his sophomore year. Never got a call from any school, any other Division ones after that. But he hung on to that. And turned down maybe 10 or 15 division two offers because he was waiting for that division one. And he professed 
and he screamed. I am a Big Ten, Power Five level player. I'm not taking that. And to this day, the way he treated the Division Twos and NAIs that recruited him, to this day, that reputation still holds. And to this day, he still doesn't have a scholarship because that reputation got out there. Why did the reputation get out there? Because we have a decent reputation. Everybody knows, oh, that's Mosley's player. Mosley, give us the scoop. What happened? Why? They talked to other schools. Here's what happened. Don't touch the kid. Lost on out on the opportunity. And now to this day, we three years removed. 15 Division II scholarships lost because he got one phone call that, uh, you know, and I gave my opinion of the phone call. I said, here's what's happening. If they take you, that's great. You got, that's great. But don't expect this level to call you. This is the reasons why they called you. They were two weeks away from starting school and they just needed to take a body. And that's the reason why. And I tried to say it that way without saying, you're probably not that level of a player. You just impressed them enough to say, we just need to take you there. And so that could happen. And uh, I went to an NAIA school. I had the dreams to play. And I had Division I opportunities that came across. But I wasn't good enough to not have great grades. Some Division I guy, you could be I wasn't good enough to have. So the Division I has dropped off. I end up at the NAI. It was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. And for all those out there, it's about the experience. It's not about what you're wearing across your chest. And I tell my guys, I say, man, look, you can go to a school in Timbuktu, win some games, be a part of a great culture. You can meet your wife. There's all these great Things that can happen. You get a degree. Your college roommate, dad is a owns a company. You go into business with him. Just there's all of these amazing things that can happen if we yep. tr- stop trying to force what we see on social media. Stop forcing that. We want to create the best the the marriage experience. What are we going to be married to? Who wants me? So that if they want me at the division two, that means that the marriage is going to be a lot better than if I try to force myself at a place that really doesn't want me. They'll take me because I'm a nice guy. So why would I force that situation and recruit over you? I want to go where I'm wanted, where where their eyes are looking at me like, man, we're excited about you. And if that's at the NAI, they're going to love on you better. And you're going to have a better experience. It's just college. College is the same. Yes, some have a little more resources than others. But, I mean, the Division Two has the same cafeteria as the Division One. I. I mean, the, I mean, if you're in it for the parties, the, you know, maybe one party has a little more whatever. You know, one school may have a few more than others. But, I mean, it's the same. Whatever you're looking for, you can find it at every college in the country. Whatever you're looking for, you can find it there. Yeah, there may be a little more of uh, of a different culture here or there, but you can find what you're looking for everywhere. Do not, because you don't know who the school is or you really haven't heard, 
do not count those schools out uh, for opportunities. And that's what I, I, I try a lot with my guys. They walk in, they say, coach, you've gotten guys division one. I, I want to go division one. And as I take a look, I'm like, look, first thing you have to do is you never turn down any phone call. And I force the guys, to, if you do, I will not give you, I won't advocate for you at the division one. If you don't, if you don't, take those division three, two NAI phone calls, because guess what? In that process, you start to feel love. If that division two coach is calling you over and over again. Yep. And then when we get to the end of the process, yeah. because we kind of forced you to take those phone calls and appreciate those phone calls and engage. You're like, you know what? I'm not even hearing from division ones. You know what? I feel the love. I'm excited. And if I want to be a pro ball player, it can happen from anywhere. So don't turn down someone who, who's going to love on you. Don't turn it down. Television is overrated. Unless you, <laughs> if, if Duke is calling you, hey, go to Duke, man. Hey, I'll tell you right now, go to Duke. If those level schools are calling you, then, hey, I don't have anything to say. That means you you at the top and you can pick anything from the top down. But if guys in between or at the bottom of calling, you have to entertain all those conversations. If Duke is calling you, you don't have to entertain the Division Three conversation. So I, I, I'll say that. But if you get in all of these small schools, you entertain every conversation. And you might find that guy that loves you. And you're like, man, I really love this. And I'm going to have the best experience. That's what you need to look for. That's what you yeah. need to put. Because other than that, they're all the same, man. They're all the same. And you want to go where you're going to have a great experience, where you're going to have a great uh, playing. It's college, man. It's awesome. You want the four-year experience. You don't want to just roll up and say, oh, I'm wearing a Nike or Adidas with this school on my chest. And you have an awful experience. It can be a nightmare. You can go to a mid-high major and have a nightmare experience. And you can go to an NAI and you can have the dream experience. Everything in the world can happen. And that's what happened with me. In a league where 70% of the talent of the players are black, that we've got less than 10%, less than 5% of the coaches are black. Why does it seem so difficult to be transparent to say, these are a list of coaches that were interviewed for the Houston Texans. These are a list of coaches that are being considered. And this is the coaches who did not get it. I want to revisit the uh, the trade again, the good, the bad, the ugly. Can you say, reunited and it feels so good? Well, me. I had a conversation with uh, Power Five Division One women's basketball player. And her exact words to me were, my four years in college playing division one basketball was the worst time of my life. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. She goes, if I could do it over again, I'd have went to division two school. And it was just with that, cause they like, I think a lot of times these student athletes understand what they're getting into when they look at these different divisions. And then the other piece, though, you brought up a, a very interesting point there. You were talking about taking those phone calls from the Division 3s, the Division 2s, the Division 1s. 
the one piece you left out of there, those coaches talk to each other. And so if you are a, a, a butt to me and my buddy is at a higher level, I'm definitely not telling him about you. And if he calls me and says that he had a conversation about you, I'm going to tell him how our conversation went. And so I don't think these student athletes and parents understand that aspect either. They, like, coaches talk. Yeah. They talk a lot. <clears throat> it's a small world. And we know, and I've been doing this for over 20 years now. When I was uh, a Division One coach, when I was an NAI coach, Division Two. I've mingled with all of these guys. Some of the guys that I'm close with now are head coaches. We, we were all the same age. We were like in our 20s running around with our eyes wide open. And we're recruiting players. And the, the, coach, the head coaches was in their 50s and 60s. And we're running around young whippersnappers. And now I'm in my 40s. And now my friends, close friends, are head coaches. And guess what? The, sometimes the high school kids, they think – we don't know. And it's like, you don't, the basketball coaching circle, it can be a guy way in Florida and another guy in Alaska. And you don't, there can be a connection that happened 10 years ago. Yep. Or there's so many intertwining connections of people sure. that, you know, think about all of the interactions. So if you think about all of the connections that, that I could have, you know, my whole high school career from my freshman to my senior year, all those connections and the coaches I was in contact with then and the coaches I played against, they all know me. And then I go to community college and the players that I play with and their sons and daughters and, and then the coaches. And then I start coaching at the university. My friends that decided to coach and we played with each other, they go on the coach here and they're doing that. If man, this tree just branches so far. And then somebody that I work with or work for, we work together and it is so broad. And I've learned that in my relationship, I, I'm probably connected. If I need to, I can get in touch with almost anybody in the country. I would know how to navigate to get through to that. And I think our young people got to realize that it's really like that, especially for those who've been in the business for a little bit. We can find a way to connect. You know, I think you I can't, I'm not sure how we made this connection, but if you would have sat down and said, all right, let me, let me figure out, uh, let me find out a LA connection. Let me see who can connect me with Mosley. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a way yeah. when you do this business yeah. long enough that you, you know how to connect and you, there's always a connection. And I found that to be true of myself. I tell the players when I'm recruiting them, which is true. If I'm almost certain I know on the Western Hemisphere, talking about California, Oregon, Washington, you know, Nevada, uh, you know, these states this way, I know probably at least one coach on every coaching staff at the Division One level. I'm pretty certain that I know them and I know them well enough to where they trust me if I give them an evaluation. And they'll say, Mosley, what do you think of them? I've had coaches in leagues, they call me, put it like this. My son plays in the second best league in California. He's a 10th grader. And there's a Catholic school league that he plays in. 
The other league is like modern day. And so, so my son is in the best league. I have, I'm a junior college coach. I have coaches calling me, asking me about kids on other teams that my son has played against. And that kid has no idea that I'm speaking on his behalf or that I'm speaking, I'm giving my evaluation of him. You know, so there's so much of a circle that the student athlete has to understand, you know, which probably can bring up a point. What's your presentation look like? And you you never know who you're talking to. You never know who you're talking with. You bad mouth one coach. I'm going to hear about it. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. If you bad mouth me in California, everybody is okay with me in California. And if they they're going to say, hey, man, that kid is probably he was they was that family. That dad said he, you know, whatever. So and, and for the most part, I've done right by people to where they 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 feel OK with me. I don't have too many enemies. And so everybody yeah. knows each other. And I think the student athletes needs to understand that everybody knows everybody. And you got to watch yourself. You got to watch who's watching. You never know who's watching you. You never know who you're talking to. You think it's just this division three coach? It's like, well, you know what? There's the division three coach. He might be a division three uh, assistant. Well, 10 years ago, he might have been the head coach at a high major program, but now he's fallen on times where he's a, and, but as the coach at the high major program, he had 10 assistants that's working for him. That's now division one head coaches. And, and there you go. There's, there's all these connections. Yeah. And, and you never know when you need to go across a bridge. I remember when I was at St. Mary's in Leavenworth, NAI, and I was recruiting this young lady. Um, she wound up, she was upfront, honest, saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking at these options, but thank you and everything. Very respectable. Fast forward seven years. Guess who's at my door looking for a job? The same player. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember you. Yeah, come on in. Let's talk. And you just never know. Like, that assistant today can be a head coach tomorrow. Literally that fast. And understanding that, it's like... it's, it's all about relationships, and you, you know this. Recruiting is probably 99% relationships. And so mm-hmm. if I can develop a relationship with these coaches, whether they're assistant today or head coach today, I never know when I might need that person later on, and they're in a position later on to help me. And I think student athletes need to understand it because you might want to go into coaching one day. And the mm-hmm. coach that you're Big time in today, you're now trying to call them for a job tomorrow. You're not getting that job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or even help a- advocate for you. No. I've had kids who decided not to come play for me. And then I'd see them down the road and they'd be like, Coach, yeah, I don't have much yet. Really? And if I like, if there was, I was like, man, they were great. They just decided not to come. Great young man. And, they were respectful and all that. And I'm like, look, man, hey, I'll make a couple phone calls for you and see if we can get you a scholarship. So 
thank you for taking the time to sit down with little old me here at Fieldhouse Sports and and talk recruiting and, and drop some gems. I mean, what you put out today is it's, it's going to be huge in helping student athletes across the country. So thank you very much for doing that. And um, you got anything you want to close with? The floor is yours. I think just don't fall into the hype. I just think you got to be honest with yourself and you got to realize that uh, that one or two or whatever opportunity you have is better than having none. And just take a hard look at it and think about the experience, man. I, I went to NAI. I thought I was this great. I wanted to be a, you know, division one. And, uh, and it's not just about that. It's, it's, it's about finding the right fit that for you that you can have a great experience. Um, great experience and it's about getting to the four-year level college is awesome college is fun university whatever it is man it's fun um don't get caught up into the hype about what you think college should look like man go where you can be comfortable go where you're wanted go where you fit don't go because it it was in the ncaa you're trying to force that situation or force division one go where you're wanted and where it's most comfortable where it's the family type atmosphere man because like, you know, myself, being in college, being in that environment is, is just awesome. And when you get there, you'll realize that it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal that the, being on television is not a big deal. Yeah, it's great and all that, but it's not a big deal. It's, it's the experience that you have is what, what's going to matter the most. Definitely. Well, folks, there you go. You had it. You heard it firsthand from Coach Mosley, East Los Angeles College been another episode of Coach Talk. Thanks for tuning in. It's, uh, well, what's interesting is when, so the 15 years that I spent at the four-year level, those years uh, being a recruiting, pretty much the recruiting coordinator for, for all those spaces and even at the Division One school, uh, I think I've me myself personally have learned some things about recruiting and what I'm actually looking for, you know, and uh, what's important. I'll tell you this. When I was at the NAI, my mentor was really close with John Wooden. So I was working. I was at the NAI, the Masters College in Bill Oates. He, he would go with Wooden, John Wooden, for uh, to breakfast maybe once every two weeks to breakfast. So uh, every year I'm like, coach, let us go. You know, I would get a chance to go sit with John Wooden maybe once or twice a year in the, the, in the eight years that I was with him. And I asked the question to John Wooden. I asked him, you know, what are some of the things he looks for with recruiting? And, uh, you know, and, and some of the, you know, I would ask him some of, the, some of those things and had an opportunity to hear some of that stuff. He was, he was, uh, it was interesting, some of the things, and, and we can get into some of the, the personal things, but when you talk about some of the physical attributes, one thing that stood out to me, and I, it just blew me away. He's like, yeah, you look for good character and just all those things. He told me, he said, man, you know, one of the things, if this is for more of a coach, for a coach's eye, you know, and I'll, I'll talk about from a student perspective. Uh, if you're a student athlete, but from a coach's eye, man, John Wooden told me, he said he looks for quickness. And I was like, it literally blew me away when he said quickness. And that quickness can mask a lot. Like, yeah, uh, it's great. 
He said, uh, you look for a great shooter. Well, all he can do is shoot. And it's like, well, Ray Charles, he was blind and he can play music and, and, and sing, right? So, you know, he, did, he was great at what he did. But when John Wooden said quickness, uh, he gone on to explain what he meant by that, that quickness, that's something that you can't teach. Of course, you can't teach height and all those things. But if you're looking for a certain position and you look for a big slow guy or a big quick guy, of course, you want the quick guy. But what quickness brings is the ability to be able to execute and move and perform uh, to be able to react a little bit quicker. Yeah, we look at, uh, you know, a player like Luka Doncic, right? And we see slow. his ability to, to play slow and perform slow. But still, there's a level of reaction that has some quickness to it. And even if you play slow, can you react quick? And I think that was the explanation that as we kind of broke it down that I got from John Wooden. And as I go out, when I recruit, and I'm talking from a coach when you talk about a coach, some of the things I look for, and no, I don't mind a player who's, who's not as quick, but if the majority of my team is quick, there's a lot of things that you can do with that, you know? For sure. Aside from shooting, aside from all of that, that quickness right there, and you look at some of the best teams and the performers, you look at some of the guys who are the hardest to play against, and most of them have quickness. Uh, and you look at all, if you look at basketball and football or what, whatever sport it is, you look at some of the guys that have some of the most dominating performances and the level of quickness comes in. Uh, not to say that those guys are special, Luka Doncic, or all those guys are special that, you know, I like one of my favorite players that, to watch is he plays for the Memphis Grizzlies like Kyle Anderson. He plays slow. They call him slow-mo. But you see, he stands out. His IQ and his skill set is at such a high level that the quickness isn't a factor. But you got to be that skilled. You got to be that. Your IQ has to be on point, like Luka Doncic, like you know, like uh, Kyle Anderson, like some of those guys that can play slow. Um, I think that's important in terms of quickness and reaction, being able to react and move quick. I think that's something that I look at. And if there's a deficiency that is that a student athlete has, I still say, you know what? I, I feel like we can develop the skill. Uh, to match the quickness. Sometimes if you see a skill and say, well, he has a skill and he may not be as quick, you know, he may not be able to move as well. Uh, go over the, the person who can move well and I'll teach them this, the skill. Uh, if it looks like they're coachable in that regard. And of course, all the other attributes that you want. Uh, but that was interesting. So that's why I mentioned that, that, that I heard that from John Wooden. Yeah. That came out of his mouth. Like, right. That was the first thing I'm thinking, you know, he's going to write down a list, right? And, yeah, he does have – he did have a list of all those things, you know, coachable, being able to shoot, some skills that were important to him. But when he spoke to me, because I, to him, I said, hey, you know, I'm a recruiting coordinator. What's one What's one thing you look for? And he said quickness. And I was like, what? What? Where are you coming – you know? And ever since then, I've, I've had to learn why that was – why he would say that why that would be the first thing out of his mouth to me. Now he may have highlighted some other things to someone else, but when he said that to me, I, I, I intentionally was thinking, what would he mean by that? And now when I, as I develop teams, I see how important that quickness is. Uh, and I've always kind of been, 
I've always kind of been right with a little, you know, with recruiting uh, in that regard. So th that that's that's one aspect. So okay. yeah, that that's you know something that that stands out when you talk about recruiting and uh, a nugget that I got from one of the greats. Mm 